purpose. We're going to, if you were here last week, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off last week. Last week, the title of our message was um, Going Hard After God. Today, the topic of, or the title of our message is Going Hard After God, Part 2. Uh, because if you remember, I didn't finish it all. And so what we're going to do is just basically pick up right where we left off. And I just want to review uh, really quickly for you. Really, the concept that we were getting at, the main point that we were getting at last week was where Paul was saying that he was talking about this concept of, of wanting to, to know Jesus more, to experience Jesus on a greater level. And this is kind of the key phrase here, that I may know him. And I asked you some questions on Sunday. I said, do you know him? And we talked about how, what it means in English to know things and in Spanish and the different words and all those things. And the concept that, that Paul's getting at here is, do you know him? Do you know the Savior? And not just do you know about him, but do you know him personally? And we asked ourselves a few questions. We said, what, is, what, is the thi- what are the things in my life that stir my affection for the Lord, that encourage me in the Lord, that draw me closer to him? And then what are those things that rob my affection of the Lord. We asked a few of those questions. We, and those are not just like group questions. Those are individual questions. What are those things in your life that, that draw you into Him? And what are those things that steal you away from Him? And then we asked the question, how can we address those things in our life? How can we get more of the things that stir us and less of the things that rob us? How can we do those things? And then when are we going to do them? We asked, we asked those questions how are we going to? We looked at we looked at Hebrews twelve one. Therefore, since we are surrounded uh, by a, a cloud of witnesses, or this is a huge crowd of witnesses for the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We were talking about that that there are things in our life, both good and bad, that we need to strip away in order to experience the Savior more. There's some good stuff and some bad stuff. Um, and so we asked the question, how are we going to do that? And when are we going to do that? Because a lot of us will come in on a Sunday morning, we'll say, yes, preacher, I agree, and really never do anything about it. And so that's what this section of verses is all about. It's about application. And that's what we're going to talk about today because Paul gets very specific. He gets really specific as to the how does he do this pursuing God with his whole being. And he's going to share with us a, a really a, some very, very practical stuff. So what we're going to do today is we're going to read all the verses, not all. We're going to start in verse 12, read through 21, which is a lot of verses I know, but we're going to come back to them and then just kind of jump right back in where we've been. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. There's Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. If you've got your apps, your phones, your iPads and all those, those things are all up and running um, the, the Bible app, it, it, we've got our event on there and we're excited about that. But anyway, it says this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. There's, there's some words I want you to see that kind of like jump off the page and they're progressive words. They're words like, I press on, I move forward, I strive. It's like he keeps pushing this idea that the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of the Savior is something that we need to work on, we need to go hard after, it's a, it's a forward-thinking, forward-progress kind of concept here. It says this, Not that I've already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on 
so that I may hold may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That's key word, yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, and he's not saying we're like perfect. You all know I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We've been created, seen as perfect in Christ. For Christians, as Christians have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Verse 16, however, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. 17, Brothers, join in following my example, this is Paul speaking, and observe those who walk in according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I've often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. We'll close with this slide here, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has, even to subject all things to Himself. So Paul here, he keeps saying this, he's kept saying it time and time and time again. Follow me as I follow Christ. This is his mantra in the New Testament. Follow me as I follow Christ. He keeps saying this. I'm, I'm following hard after Christ. Do what I'm doing. And he's going, to, he's going to talk about the things that he's doing. Forgetting what lies ahead or behind, pushing forward. He's going to talk about those things, how he's actually pushing forward in his faith. So he's saying, follow Christ. We've seen the example of Christ. We're following him. Follow me as I follow him. But then he says, and this is clear where we kind of got, we, we, we separated last week because we ran out of time. He's saying, follow me, but realize that I'm not perfect. Realize that I don't have it all together. Realize that I've got my own issues as well, is what he's saying there. And we're going to look at those things. Look at, you can see it clearly in, in our first verse that we, looked at, that we look at in verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained it. He goes on later. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, yet Paul has this, like, angst. Do you know, that, do you know what I'm talking about? Like this, this desire, this intense desire to know Jesus better. It's, it's a desire that's almost like, I heard a pastor call it a holy discontent. Which is not like, you know, you're... It's not like he's, he doesn't believe that he's saved. He knows that he's saved. But we, we've seen this time and time again where he says, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain because I get more Jesus. This is, this is that, that constant thing that he's talking about. He needs, he just like needs it. It's almost like a, a, like a healthy lust. He just can't get enough of Jesus. This is what he's saying he said, I don't have it all together. I, 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 I can't get enough of him. He's like fiending after it. He, he's, just, he's like, I need more, I need more, I need more. 
Jesus. Do you know anyone like that? I, I like being around people that are like that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm honest, I'm not like that. I, I don't... I wish I were. I pray that I can be that way, but that's not my personality. I, I easily... We were talking this morning about breakfast burritos from Stan's, right? Um, we were at Stan's shop, whatever it is, Stan's grocery, Stan's market, whatever, yesterday, right? And uh, we were talking about breakfast burritos this morning. I said, i got to work a breakfast burrito into the message. But um, Lori and I were there, and I didn't, she ordered, right? She ordered one burrito for us, man. Dude. I know they're big, but like I, I ate half of it, and you want to know what I wanted after the half? No, they're half. It was like all I could think about. Like I, I had plenty of breakfast. You guys know, like those things they get in you, and they're like, oh, like I was just like, oh, so good. It's like so good, right? I wanted more. I could like there was nothing that was going to satisfy that desire for more bacon, potato, and egg. That listen, that's that's where Paul's at, right? He's like, nothing can satisfy my hunger for the Lord. That's that's what he's getting at. And for me, like I, I'm ashamed. And honestly, as, as we were, I was like this morning just thinking about this stuff. Like, man, my desire is more for a burrito at times than it is for the Lord. How crappy am I of a person? I think we can all relate to that. That our desire for the Lord at times is wanes. It's maybe not even existent at all in the light of all of the things we have going on in our life. I, I want this discontent that he has it's it's a good discontent it's a it's like a lust like a good lust it's like he cannot get enough of the savior and here's the trip which i don't really understand like paul as we look at the scriptures paul is like one of the people that's most like jesus like if you think of all the people in the scriptures paul's like varsity team starter you know all-star Christian and he's like I don't have enough Jesus what's that make me you know what I mean I'm like freshman girls basketball you know manager team that's the team I'm on do you know what I mean like Christian level and Paul's there and he's like I can't get enough Jesus and I run around just fine with the amount of Jesus that I have and I have so much little compared to him this this text for me was just completely just got to my heart this week that I I suck at desiring Him. I'm so easily pleased with just crap. My desire needs to be for the one who saved me. And so it's just greatly convicting to me this week. And then what Paul does is, is he tells us, this is how I do it. And we see how he does it, how he pursues the Lord, what he's done to go hard after Jesus. He says, I've not arrived there yet, but it's work. And he uses words like work and it's striving and it's training myself. And I want for us to look at some of those words. He gives us some examples, some instructions. If you're a note taker, these are the notes that you can take 
when Paul goes hard after Jesus, the first thing that he talks about is developing this thing that we're talking about, this holy discontent. This is point one, if you're one of those point people. And I might have made up that word discontentment. I don't know if that's a real word. It is now because I've used it. But anyway, <coughs> he, he developed this concept over years of loving Jesus. And I began thinking, well, I need to... I mean, it's obvious in my own life, I need that. Because I don't have that. I don't have a holy discontentment with the amount of Jesus that I have. It's, I'm easily satisfied. Too easily satisfied with the amount of Jesus that I have. Look at what he says again. The same verse there. Not that I've already obtained it. I don't regard myself as having laid, laid hold of it yet. He's not satisfied. So he goes for more. And I began to think about how do we go for more Jesus? How do we pursue Jesus more? In my life, as I sat and I began to think about, for me, this is obviously point number one, major point that I've got to deal with. I need to pray. I need to pray and ask God, God, make my desire for you more than it is for that burrito. Right? Like, God, give me, the scriptures talk about this, God, you're going to have to give me a love for you. You're going to have to produce in me a love for you. Make my love for you greater. Because inside, you know, some of you are emotional people and you're all about loving the Lord and you can see it when you worship and things like that. I'm, I'm not wired that way, so I have to pray. God, increase my desire for you. Make me love you more. It's something that I have to pray about, pray about, pray for deeper affection. Also need to inventory our life. And what I mean by that is, is know where you are at, because I know where I'm at after this week. I absolutely know where I'm at. And then make adjustments. Like you got to ask yourself the hard question. Like, do I really love the Lord? Do I pursue him more than I pursue Stan's burritos or more than I pursue my wife or or Xbox or whatever it is. You got inventory your life. Um, we need to get around if we're going to develop this type of content, discontentment, this type of attitude toward the Lord. We also need to get around people. What I mean by example is we need to get around people that are like that. I asked you if some of you know people that are like this, that just cannot get enough Jesus. Well, one of the things we need to do is Hook up with them. Get around them. Let them rub off on us. Because we don't have Paul. We have his words. We have his thoughts. We have what God has done through him. But we need like a Paul to walk by, by our side and say, come on, let me show you what it is to love the Savior so much that you can't get enough of him. So much that you want to die because you get to go be with Jesus. You've got to be around some people that are... Like that. And here's measurements. I said measurements. So many times, when we're doing an inventory in our life, do I love Jesus enough? I'm going to measure myself against pretty much the worst person that I know, right? Like, I'm going to say, well, I definitely love Jesus more than Jake does, right? Because he's like, you know, horrible at it or whatever. Or, you know, whoever, the worst person you can think of. Not that Jake's the worst. You know, it could be Maria. It could be Jacob. It could be anyone. Two Jakes is kind of weird. But anyway, it must be Jake. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we end up doing this all the time. 
when, when I have conversations on mission trips many times, one of the questions I ask people is, are you a good person? And inevitably, their answer is, well, I've never, what do you think they say? I've never killed anyone. I've never murdered anyone. So in our world we live in, the threshold for whether you're good or not is whether you've killed someone or not, right? I mean, it is so, like, we are so backwards. We do that. Self-preservation. Well, I've never killed anyone because we always measure ourselves versus the worst case scenario. And for most people, that's having murdered someone. We need to be measuring ourselves against the best person we know. Right? Against absolutely the best person we know. Well, yeah, my, man, my relationship with the Lord, my desire for the Lord, isn't anywhere near Maria's. It's not anywhere near hers. And so I want to be around her. I need to get around her. Our, the person we ought to be measuring ourselves against is Paul and Jesus. Here, I mean, that's what he's saying. Do what I do. Do what Jesus does. Not the total turd down the road that, you know, is just basically Satan incarnate, right? And then uh, lastly, if we're going to develop this kind of attitude, we need to know what the Bible says. And the Bible promises that God's not done with us. We saw this in Philippians 1.6. It says, For I know, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's not done. There's more growing for you to do. There's more Jesus for you to experience if you pursue Him. So, as we think about this concept of developing this holy discontentment, this, i got to have more Jesus, these are just a few things that you can do. They're, they're, they're right there. Just a few things that, for me in my life, I mean, this is, this is down to the, this is me this week. These are things that I started just practicing this. We're starting to do in my own life because it's something I need to develop. He says this also. He says, so he goes from developing a holy discontent to forget. He says this, forget what lies behind. This is your second note if you're writing notes. If we're going to develop this kind of attitude that you cannot get enough Jesus, we're going to do what he says. And he says, forgetting what lies behind. Now that means to forget anything in your past that is going to draw you away from the Lord. Now, those can be bad things, which are obvious. Many of you have a long list, like me, of the bad things that quickly come to your mind that draw you away from the Lord, that have, have been your hiccups, have been your stumbling blocks, have been the, the things, what are, the addictions, the relationships, all those things that end up coming back up whenever you're trying to get right with God and, and Satan likes to bring some stuff up, right? He likes to always bring those things up. But Paul's saying here, he's saying, forget those things. And Paul is not, Paul is not like immune to this. Look at what he says here. To, he writes this to Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me the strength to do His work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve Him even though, and he, he knows who he was, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, and in my insolence I persecuted his people. We talked about who Paul was before. I mean, he was a Christian bounty hunter, going around, taking as many as he could to jail, 
killing them, having them executed because of their faith, doing whatever he could to stop the movement of Jesus Christ. This is who God turned into the biggest proponent, was the biggest opponent, now is the biggest proponent for the gospel. He knows. He's saying, I've forgotten those things. So there's bad things that you just need to forget about. They don't hold you back anymore. Don't let them continue to hold you back from pursuing the Savior. There's also, though, some good things. There's some good things in your life that you may need to forget about. Maybe in pride and and arrogance, you feel like, I've arrived because I got this, or I was able to do this, or whatever. And you're basing your faith on past victories, past whatever. Listen, there's... There's some, there's good, um, have any of you ever said, like, um, New Year's, New Year's resolution, you say, I'm going to read my Bible more, right? I'm going to do it more. So New Year's Day, you wake up early, right? You wake up early, like five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning for some of you, three o'clock, whatever, you know, you get your coffee, you got your Bible, Right? Like, oh, it's going to be good, me and the Lord, and you sit down, right? You, it's like, you sit down, and you hear what? Little footsteps. <laughs> Mommy, what are you doing? <laughs> right? You're freaking out. I can't even get two minutes of peace in this house, right? That's the evil one. Okay, Not the little one. Is I mean, you may think so. <laughs> That's the evil one. Listen. Just because you couldn't do your Bible time on Monday because Satan likes to bring in your... Like, you know, I'm, I've got kids who, well, I don't even know how old, 13, 14, 15, something like that. You go to do something, they wake up. You go to do something by yourself, try to get some time with God, some quiet time. They just, something comes, oh, what's up, Dad, how you doing? I need to go to this. And like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I know, but I'm up. Like, the evil one's going to do what he can to trip you up. Don't let that... Like, forget about what happened Monday. Get your butt back up on Tuesday and do it again. And when they wake up again, because you know they do, like, somehow they just know that you're up, just let it keep going. Keep pressing forward. Forget what happened the day before. Press forward for that thing. Sometimes you need to forget. And those are good things. Your kids are good things. Well, some of them, you know, some of you are like, you don't know my kids. Um, But there's some good stuff and some bad stuff that we need to forget about. Little kids, I didn't mean the little kids were evil, okay? I'm not saying that. I just realized what I said. But anyway, so so he says, forget what lies behind. And then what does he say next? Do you remember? Look forward. Press forward. Strain forward. Work towards. Press on toward the goal. Strain for what's ahead. So we're forgetting what's behind and we're straining for what's ahead. Look what he says here. However, uh, I'm sorry. Therefore, brethren, I do not regard myself having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I, what's the word? Press on. I press on toward the goal. A goal is something that's in front of you. Something that has not happened yet. That is a goal also. But it's, I guess it doesn't make sense. But you know, it's something that's forward. 
These words, strain, pursue, press, they're, they're insinuating. He's talking about work. He's saying that it's going to take effort. It's going to, you're going to have to train yourself to develop these types of habits. Like, I, honestly, I hate going to the gym. We go at five on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know you can't tell. I only go to the gym so that way I can eat whatever I want. I mean, honestly. That's the only reason I go to the gym. I feel better when I go to the gym. But I go to the gym so I can eat like a pig and just maintain what I got going on. I know what I'm maintaining is not right still. But I'm just going just to maintain what I got going on. But I hate it. Like, oh, I hate waking up. 4.47, I wake up to go to the gym. I hate it. But I love how it makes me feel later. Right? Like, there's some, this is going to be work. Some of this for you, for some of you, this is just work. Just getting, getting in spiritual work. Serving. Some of you are like, I hate doing Listen, we don't want you to hate what you're doing here. But some of it's just work. Some of it's just dirty jobs that got to get done in order that others can experience something here. Um, but I'm thinking through some of this stuff. Look at what, um, look what Paul says in, in, again to Timothy. I'm using... Lots of Paul's letters to these young leaders, Timothy and Titus, because he keeps giving them instructions which we can learn from as well. First Timothy 4, 7 and 10. Don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales, but instead, train yourself to be godly. Later on, he goes, work hard. That's why we work hard and struggle. Pursuit of holiness. Listen, um, nobody ever stumbled into holiness. Does that make sense? Nobody ever accidentally became spiritual. Nobody ever just stumbled upon being like Jesus. It takes work. It's going to, it's sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be easy. The Spirit of God is going to come in you. He's going to do something cool in you. Other times it's, just going, to, it's going to be labor. It's going to be some work for you to do. It's not accidental. What he's saying here is training. It's purposeful. So we need to set some spiritual goals. Those things that he's saying, I strive toward the goal. What are your goals in your spiritual life? We all have to have some goals in our spiritual life. And there's all kinds of spiritual disciplines um, that you can... Maybe, some, maybe you know, I, I don't know, maybe some of you, maybe Tim's... Uh, a great, uh, generous person, but compassion he really sucks at. Or, or, or maybe Darcy's, a, 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 I don't know, a great, I don't know, reader of the Bible and studier of the Bible, uh, but she can't memorize verses or, or whatever it is. We all have spiritual goals that are unique to us. Um, the Bible is, is one of them that I think people really set out to try to I don't know, read more of. Um, comes January time, people say, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to give me one of them one-year Bibles. Have any of you ever read a one-year Bible? I've read a one-year Bible. I think I've done it three times. I've tried to do it three times. I've successfully done it twice. I, I suggest a two-year Bible, honestly. One-year Bible is a lot of reading in one day for a normal person. Um, your phone is probably, if, I don't really want to compare it, but man, 
if you want to get into the Word and, and learn what the Scriptures have to say to you, your phone can give you an incredible amount of resources, Bible right in front of you with people teaching you and guiding you through what those things mean. You can get a Bible plan. Uh, we regularly hear the kind of leadership and some people on the peripheral we read these Bible plans together where we're working through some scripture together, talking about it, reading it, sharing with what God has done through, you know, through our own lives and stuff. So the Bible is an important spiritual goal. You need to know it more. You need to read it more, study it more. Some of you are like, I'm good at that. Well, maybe for you, spiritual goal for you would be to pursue that BHAG that God has for you. You're in a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal like Maybe the Bible is like, you, you know it inside out, up and down, you're an expert. I don't know any of those, but maybe you are. And maybe for you, you struggle in the faith area and God's calling you to do something big. And you just need to actually take that leap, that step of faith and follow Him. Maybe some of your spiritual goal is to make God priority in your checkbook, your wallet. That you know that you know that He's calling you to make Him first in your finances, but you just can't get around giving the church money. Maybe that's you. I don't know what your issue There's all kinds of... I mean, there's a hundred spiritual disciplines that you could, each of us individually, work on in our lives. We're all different. We all have different areas that we struggle in and areas where we're good in. I know for me, when I started making God number one in my finances... The Lord opened up a whole nother level of spirituality for me. It was like a gateway um, spiritual discipline. When, I, when Lori and I got married, she's like, I'm giving money to the Lord. And I'm like, well, I'm not really. And she said, well, we're gonna. And I said, okay. And when we started doing that, the Lord opened up new areas of spirituality for me. He re- revealed more of himself to me. It's like a, there are certain things I think just like open up new, new levels for you. Um, I told you last week uh, that one of the things I wanted to do this week, one of the spiritual goals I wanted to kind of work on was worship. I told you I was going to, remember I told you I was going to go to work and listen to worship music before I get into my emails and stuff. I can, I can proudly, bam, you know, hit a pulpit, say I did that well this week, probably next week I'll suck at it, but I did it well this week. Um, I am so full of worship music right now, you can't even believe it, right? I mean, I've made my own playlist and just listening all week long. And God's, like, I feel closer to Him. Something that I worked on, something that I knew I needed to do, and something that stirred my affection for the Lord, I practiced this week. Um, and it made a difference in my life. It made a difference, man. You guys must... Clock, clock that thing faster than it really is. I always feel like I'm so far behind. Um, anyway, so we need to set spiritual goals. Next note that you're going to take is that, that we need to check yourself. We need to check ourselves. You need to check yourself. I need to check myself. And look at what it says, Philippians 3, um, in, in verse 16. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we've attained. What I mean by you need to check yourself is asking the... And I guess maybe I'm asking you this question. Are you practicing what you already know? Maybe is a good way to say that. Are you practicing 
what you already know instead of, um, you know, just like looking for the next thing. We, we Christians, we American Christians, we love to come to church and dig in and find the next spiritual nugget that we're going to do nothing with. I mean, we, we love it. We love to find out the next cool thing about God and do nothing with it. Are you actually doing what you know? I mean, there is no sense in studying this thing and learning it if we're not going to apply it to our lives. This is that question. You need to check yourself. I need to check myself. Am I? I mean, we've talked for five years about loving people. Am I loving my spouse the way that Christ is calling me to? Am I loving my kids, my neighbors, my coworkers, my family here? Like, am I, if I'm not doing that, I don't even need to worry about anything else. I just need to start doing that. And that's something I already know. I don't need to be looking for more wisdom, more guidance, more. I just need to do what I know. Like you honoring God with your eyes and your mind and your wallet book and your mouth and your actions. Like, are we doing that? What I'm asking is, are you actually applying what you already know instead of just looking for the next thing and saying, yeah, preacher, I love it, and then totally forgetting about it? That's what last week was really about, asking yourselves, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to apply it? And when am I going to apply it? And then he, he, he goes on, he says, we need to surround ourselves with mentors. Look what he says here, he says, Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example and observe. Those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Our faith was never meant to be lived alone, lived privately. Our faith is really like a group project. To be honest, I think. Our faith is like a group project. And what I mean by that is like, you know, other people are not responsible for your faith, but we're to do it together. And that when... When you have, like, like he says here, watch the people around you that are good at these things that you're not. Okay? There are some things, and, and as I've been sharing, I've told you some of the things that I suck at. Right? I know for you, you know some of the things that you suck at. You need to get around some people that are good at those things. Okay? You need some mentors. You need some people, and... and Inevitably, I think a lot of us are, when I say some spiritual mentors, you're going to start thinking about and looking for the super Christian that's good at all of them. Listen, there's no, I mean, Paul may be that person, Jesus may be that person, but you're not going to find the person that is a super Christian that's good at everything. Okay? But, ladies, you may find a woman who's a really good mom. Get around her and learn how to mother from her. You may find a different woman who's great in the area of faith. So get around her and learn from her how to be faithful, how to take leaps of faith. You may know another woman who was just a prayer warrior. And maybe that's an area that you struggle in. And so you're going to get around her and you're going to learn how to pray from her. It's it's rare that you're going to find a woman or a man that are good at all of those things. 
But you're going to have to find some people that are good at those things that you're not. Um, maybe you know a guy who's just like a Bible nerd, right? He just knows the Bible in and out and he, he knows all the cool stuff about it and you're struggling and everything. Get around him. Talk with him. Ask him to mentor you in Bible study or Bible reading or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Find someone in your life in this side, this church, inside this church, we have people that are all levels of Bible knowledge, all levels of generous, all levels of good or bad parents, all levels of all of those things. As we merge with Oasis, you're now going to have another huge group of people to choose from. Um, Mars, my friend, right? Uh, I had about, I think I met Mars about six years ago. Um, Brody had asked me to go fishing. And at that point, six years ago, I hated fishing, first of all. I mean, I was like, it's so dumb. I went and bobbed a few times. I'm like, this is, the, this is a waste of time. Right? It's all I do now. But then, I was like, I hate it. You just sit there. You just wait. You wait for something to bite your worm or whatever. So, my son asked me, you know, like six years ago, take me fishing, Dad. And I'm like, I don't even know how to fish. I don't really know what we're doing. I had just met Mars out in the middle of the desert. It was a weird thing. Um, it wasn't just us, it were families. Anyway, and he said something about fishing, and I, I, I don't know if you remember this dude, I said, hey, can you, like, father me in this? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, can you mentor me and help me mentor my son in fishing? Because I didn't know what I was doing, and so I just had to ask him. And now the student has become the sensei, right? Like, uh, like right? <laughs> We did go fishing yesterday. He's back there agreeing completely until I said that. But actually, my son is a better fisherman than both of us. Uh, he, has, he has outgrown us for sure. Um, we are holding him back, I believe. Uh, which is why he's part of a bass fishing club. And those guys know what they're doing, and, and I don't. But anyway, the, the point is, I had to ask him. And you know what? He was so happy to do it. Because I encouraged him, first of all, dude, you know about fishing? I don't. Can you, like, that builds a person up. They're like, heck yeah, I can do that. I guarantee you, if you went to a woman and said, I re- I, like, you're a prayer, I, I love the way that you pray, I know that you pray, would you help me? Would you mentor me in my prayer life? That lady ain't going to tell you no. Right? If she does, you need to slap her. Right? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you just you got to go to someone and say, will you mentor me in this? And I can almost guarantee you they're going to say yes. Unless they are just psychotic, right? Like, they're going to say yes. If someone came to you and said, I really appreciate the kind of mom that you are. Can I just hang out at your house and learn a bit from you? You're going to probably say, well, yeah, I can. You can. Come on over and you can help me take care of these crazy kids or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have to ask people, though. You're going to surround yourself with mentors. We've got to keep going. And we're never going to finish. Uh, oh, it's already time to go. Okay, we need to develop a plan. The last note for you. We need to... Now, all of these things so far, these are things that he's telling us. These are the things that he is doing, that he has done to develop this, this pursuit of the Lord, this kind of lifestyle, this holy living that he's living before us. He's saying, this is how I've done it. But it's going to have to be more than just us saying, Oh, yes, Pastor, I'm going to do those things. I'll get to them sometime. No, we have to develop a plan. 
We absolutely have to develop a plan. Without a plan, you're not going to do anything. You know that, and I know that. Okay? You know that without a plan, without some kind of time frame, without some accountability, probably this is going to go in one ear and out the other, and by lunchtime you'll be thinking about those burritos I've already been talking about, right? Because without plans, they just, things fail. And look at what Proverbs says here. Good 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. 24.27, do your planning and prepare your, prepare your fields before building your house. This is really kind of a kickback to last week as we talked about not putting off these things, these questions that we were asking ourselves. And these are the questions. How am I going to do this? Right? How am I going to apply these things that the pastor's up there talking about? And when am I going to do them? I asked you last week to think about those, process those questions. I can pretty much guarantee you by experience that maybe two of you did that this week. It's reality. None of us are going to do anything with the Scriptures, with the things that we learn in the Scriptures without a plan. So Paul says, develop a plan to do something about these things. Ask yourself those questions. Look at all of these things that we talked about. How are you going to? Ask yourself the question, how are you going to develop that holy discontentment we're talking about? How are you going to do that? Not me. How are you going to do that? Ask yourself that question right now. And when are you going to do it? Because without a when, most of us just say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then what? We never do it. We get caught up in little kids and time frames and homework and all of the other stuff that happens in life. How are you going to do these things? And when are you going to do them? And then let someone know when you're going to do them and how you're going to do them and let them hold you accountable. It goes back to those questions that we've been asking ourselves. These, they're not even there anymore, sorry. The what stirs my affection for the Lord and what robs my affection for the Lord. And then doing things that are more in the category of stirring and less in the category of robbing.